Shakespeare. Watch on YouTube. You see his angry face, right? That's that's the face of Guardians fans right now. Uh, people are so mad. Baseball's in back like not even a week yet. And the Guardians haven't done anything. And all the guys you wanted are gone. And everyone's just oh so mad. And calm down. Be patient. That's not this front office's approach. A front office, by the way, that like, you know, they go and they make the Clevenger deal. And I had to sit there and defend that deal. And they were right. Like, that deal looks great in retrospect. We'll still have to wait and see on the Lindor deal. I could go either way. Uh, but a lot of these deals, and go back to Trevor Bauer deal. That's turned out well. Fran Mill Reyes, yeah, thank you. Like, this is a very smart front office. They have a very good approach. I trust them implicitly. I don't even, we have completely different approaches and beliefs in the draft. I still trust them and what they do because they're so good at what they do. It is a fantastic front office. We're going to talk about, you know, what's going on. Calm down, people. Just calm down. Calm down. Uh,. Hit me up on Twitter if you knew the the attempt at a comedy sketch I was referencing there. Um, But, yeah, we're going to get into all of it. And I know it is Wednesday. It's Wednesday wrap-up. We will talk about some college baseball stuff in segment three. But we're going to talk about what's happening around the league. And, you know, are the Guardians the only team not doing anything? You are Locked On Guardians podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so let's get into it. I've been doing kind of just a straw poll, went to roster resources, and I looked at who has added a major league player to their roster. And a significant, well, not even significant. Like, there's some guys where I'm like, Because, eh. I mean, the Guardians have added someone to their roster. Luke Melee is an addition. And here's the thing. Back when roster, MLB Trade Rumors wrote that article that annoyed me. Because I'm like, this is going to make my life miserable. <laughs> That's what it came down to. Someone's like, this team can add $60 million in salary. I'm like, That's not going to happen. And then everyone got mad at me for saying that's not going to happen. Uh, and I got so much, I mean, I had people calling me names because I'm like, this isn't going to happen. I had someone with a troll account who kept like tweeting at me because of that take. And I mean, I, I've been doing this podcast for three years now. I, for, oh, I mean, rundown, right? We're supposed to do this every show. My name is Jeff Ellis. I am the voice of Locked On Guardians. And I have been since the inception of the Locked On Baseball Network. I'm one of the originals for this thing. Uh, before that, I was the lead prospect and draft analyst at 24-7 and Scout. It was a national gig. I was on ESPN Radio. Uh, before that, I wrote for Indians Baseball slash Indians Prospect Insider. That's right. I go back to when it was Prospect Insider. Uh, that was really my first regular gig. And through that, like I had stuff on Cleveland Fan, Waiting for Next Year, Did the Tribe Win Last Night. I, you know, A lot of those blogs <laughs> don't exist or in lesser forms or have changed names. Things have switched and changed so much over the years. Uh, but I was there. I was there. Um, but to get back into it, so, you know, I spend an inordinate amount of time on this team. When you do this podcast, I'm approaching episode 700. 700 episodes. Uh, hit me up on Twitter if you've listened to all 700. I, I don't know. You, f- you should, when it gets there, I, I don't know what award I can give you, but uh, I'll figure something out. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been doing 700 of these episodes. When you're coming up with daily content, yeah, I dive into the history a lot. I dive into drafts a lot. Of course, that's my background, right? Like, I mean, I'm from Akron, part of the greater Cleveland area. I'm 40 years old. 
the draft was like all I had to look forward to as a child. I didn't really get into sports until I was, oh gosh. I mean, I, I remember like Carlos Martinez at first base. Like I wasn't a diehard then, but I remember watching a bunch of Indians games in like the late 80s. And I remember we didn't have cable growing up. So I've, I've talked about Jim Corgan is like, to me, the voice of the, the Indians. That's who I listened to as a child uh, on 43 UAB. And then there's also like the Saturday afternoon baseball. And I always distinctly remember like watching a game and they were like, you know, it's not like that's Kenny Lofton of the Indians over at first. And I'm like, wait, did they just reference the Indians? No one references the Indians. They're awful. That was Lofton's rookie year. And it wasn't long after that where I just completely became obsessed with the numbers and everything else about the game. And I just remember my righteous indignation when he lost rookie of the year, which go back. Pat Listash's numbers are terrible. <laughs> it's not even a competition. If you go and you look at that now and what we know about valuations, it's like Pat Listash didn't fall off after that rookie. You know, there is that curse like Bob Hamlin beats Manny Ramirez and he's not that good after it. Pat List it's not a curse, Pat Listash just wasn't that good to begin with. Hot take. But um you know, I spent all this time I grew up with this team. Boy, did I get on a tangent, but studying so much about it. And I spent all this time on the team itself. And the Indians treat free agency like a game of musical chairs. That's the simplest way I can compare it. They wait to see who's standing, and then they go. Uh, you can go back to this show a year ago when they signed Eddie Rosario. And I've talked about this multiple times since then. I'm talking with Rogelio over from Bless You Boys, you know, a great Tigers podcast. And Rogelio and Chris are just fantastic dudes in general. And they were, like, upset that they signed Robbie Grossman and the Indians waited and got Eddie Rosario. And it didn't work out. But the Indians waited, and then they swoop. Guardians, I should say. Eventually, I'll get it. Guardians wait, then they swoop. And just because it's a shorter market doesn't mean that they're going to change their approach. They're going to swoop, and they're going to make a trade. And why do I know they're going to make a trade? Because they just did something they never do, something they hate doing with every fiber of their being. Carlos Vargas, I don't even think he's pitching in double-A yet. I could go dig that, those numbers up. Carlos Vargas has never, I believe, never even pitched in double-A, and they just have had to put him on the 60-man. That starts his service time clock. Yes, they can get a fourth-year waiver due to the injury, but still, it starts his service time clock. It increases his pay scale. Uh, it accelerates how quickly he has to get to the big leagues. They never do that. They could have done it. They could have done it last year. They did not, and they have never done that with prospects traditionally. They go out of their way to not do that. Why did they do it? Because they have no wiggle room to add Maley. They had to do that. They did something they hate, hate, hate doing. Why did they do that? Because they didn't have a choice. They know they need to make a trade. Why didn't they trade for a Winker? Well. They didn't trade for Winker because they didn't want to take Eugenio Suarez's contract, which it's funny. You go back a few years ago, I argue that Suarez had more value than Francisco Lindor. The problem is both of them fell off cliffs. Lindor has a much better chance of recovering. Suarez is a sunk cost. And all the people are like, why didn't they do it? It's like, have you not paid attention to this team? They don't have money to throw around. You can't just pay Eugenio Suarez to be a below average player. That's Remember, I mean, he's making like Michael Bourne, Nick Swisher money. Remember that handicap? Uh, so he's that's what happened. The Guardians never had a chance on Winker because their whole approach was that the Reds only cared about cutting money. Matt Olson. The Oakland did him a favor. I don't think people realize this. Like Oakland did Matt Olson a favor. Yes, they got a great return. Don't get me wrong. That is a fantastic return. One that the Guardians couldn't match. They don't have a catcher. I love Levestita. Levestita is not Shang Ling Shea Langoliers. He is not. 
They don't have a catcher to match. They don't have a Christian Pache. Christian Pache would be starting in the Indians outfield right now. I mean, him and Miles Straw could probably play a two-man outfield uh, if you really wanted, but they don't have that. And Pache at points has been a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. Guardians don't have that. They don't have those pieces. They could not compete with that trade. And Olsen is from Atlanta. He signed a sweetheart deal. I had a lot of people be like, oh, the Indians should offer that. They would offer that to Jose if he would take it. Jose wouldn't take it. Olsen signed a deal to go home. He wanted to go home. The, the, they traded him home. The Oakland A's did him a favor and traded him home. They got a fantastic package that the Guardians couldn't match. Olsen was never, there was no chance. You combine those two things, the Guardians weren't even in the running for Olsen. They had nothing they could do. And for Winker, they didn't have a chance. And again, Winker can barely play left field. <laughs> He's a DH, and he can't hit a lefty to save his soul. I mean, he destroys righties. He might be the best hitter in baseball against righties. Don't get me wrong. I would still gladly take him on the team. But if he came up through the system and he had been in Cleveland all these years, all we would hear is, man, he's a bad defender. Why can't he hit lefties? I mean, to the time Jim told me left, people were complaining about his inability to hit lefties. And that's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Jess Winker, you know, it's just because he's the guy that people wanted for so long. And And he's only a two-year rental. He's not like a, a he's he hits free agency at the same time as J Ram, and that's already its own set of issues. Austin Meadows is still out there, and again, I think they'll make a maneuver. Now, just going back to the whole thing, in terms of the American League right now, since we have returned, I think you know I promised this at the start, and it's almost time for break one here. There are uh, fourteen teams. That math feels off. Did I really count everyone correctly? Because <laughs> I, I literally sat here with roster resources. So 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14. No, it's 15. So uh, I think I just didn't count the Guardians. Uh, <laughs> it explains my weirdness there with numbers. Uh, but going through, I did the American League. I'll do the National League as well. But just in the American League, how many teams have made a move to add someone who is going to be at least a relief arm to help them? Nine. How many have not? Six. And the National League numbers are going to be even worse on a major league contract. So we'll get into that and more in the second half of the show. But for everyone complaining that they're not doing anything, uh, note, no one's really doing anything. I mean, maybe not no one. We'll get the numbers. We'll give you a percentage. We'll talk about that in the second half. Third segment, we're going to talk about an Ohio kid and somebody named Ellis who are hitting the ball hard in college baseball. Are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission Possible, written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete Tim Tebow, encourages you to find your inspiration. Pursue your purpose and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is available wherever audiobooks are sold. Okay, so final count. 11 teams have done nothing. And if you're curious about, whoa, what's your... I, I counted the Phillies having done something for signing uh, Jairus Familia and Brad Hand, which, again, feel like if that's what the Guardians had done, you wouldn't be happy. Uh, if I take that back a little, then we are at half the league has not made a significant ad. Um, you know, it's like Boston. Do you count Jake Diekman? St. Louis, Drew uh, Van Hergen. Uh, that's, that's where we're at. So patience is the key. There's still Conforto. There's Schwarber. There's other people out there. This is not the end-all, be-all uh, when it comes to adding talent. Austin Meadows is likely on the trade block. Someone's going to sign Freeman. Someone's probably going to end up having to someone to change after trade after that uh there's 
a lot of moving pieces. I mean, I'm still all for Kyle Lewis. I am, uh, you know, other people were not high on Kyle Lewis. It's like they said he is going to be healthy, by the way. The Mariners said he'll be ready for opening day. I mean, right now he might be a platoon partner for for Winker. But, yeah, I mean, go back again. People getting mad. This guy won Rookie of the Year in 2020. 262, 364, 437, 801 OPS. I just extrapolate the numbers. 58 games, 11 home runs. In Seattle, not not a homer-friendly park. Uh, you know, you look at that, and it's like, okay. So, I mean, approaching 30 home run potential. Let's get that done. Let's figure that out. He's going to be healthy, ready to play. Six foot four, two oh five. Sign me up. Get him in Cleveland. Look at that as the positive. That was my positive tweet. It's like, don't look at it as the Guardians lost out on Jess Winker. Look at this as Kyle Lewis is more likely to be on the block. I was talking with uh, Ty from the Locked On Mariners one in our chat. We were just, you know, the chat is always discussing things. But when you get down to it, uh, like he is high on Zimmer, as is Joe, and there's other ones as well. Sorry, I just saw the thing where a judge rules minor league baseball players are MLB employees throughout the year and are owed damages. Uh, that's 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 going to be interesting. I don't know if it's going to affect anything, but uh, something to keep your eye on. Uh, if you thought ownership was cheap, wait till they have to pay guys in the minors a minimum salary. Um, so, to get back into it right now, Sorry, minor distraction there with <laughs> Baker Mayfield uh, news release. I have no idea what's happening with this uh, sports city anymore. But getting back to the Guardians, you know, there's there's a lot of pieces they can add. There's a lot of ways to improve the team. I was talking about Kyle Lewis there. You know, we've talked about Austin Meadows. There's Schwarber, Conferto. There's a lot of players who could still help this team. And again, we've how many times? I mean, I literally went through roster resources this offseason, discussing every team's depth and trying to find trades and deals that make sense. Tampa makes a lot of sense. The only problem with Tampa is you can't do like the three and four for ones because their forty man situation is worse than Cleveland's. So that's that's the knock there. Uh, but you know, I I just go through and I can't help but it's like okay, so we go to Arizona. I don't think Kettle Marte is on the move. Let's be honest there, but you just look at where they are in terms of players, it's like, well, you know, maybe David Peralta. He would be an upgrade still in this outfield. And here's the thing. Bottom line, I think this outfield is set up right now for either Quan or Palacios to play one of the spots. So they're really looking for one outfielder. And if we're being honest, it's like they're going to want to see Nolan Jones in the big leagues this year. They're going to want to see both Palacios and Quan. There's going to be a lot of young players who are going to have to get time in that outfield and, you know, they can, there's going to be, that's the one thing where you're like, okay, how are they going to fit everyone through? How are they going to go through and find the spots? Um, it, it, we'll have to basically wait and see, I guess. It's it's going to be interesting. I still think, honestly, more important than outfield is catcher. I mean, Austin Hedges and Luke Maley are offensively it's you know i could use some some colorful language to describe them it's not good defensively yeah they're fantastic guess what sean murphy hits well and he's a an excellent defender and oakland just acquired shane langoliers who is ready to play in the big leagues at catcher 
I have driven the Brian Levestida bandwagon from its inception. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that. I was out in front of him back in 2019 when I was discussing him and Cody Morris as your biggest helium guys in system. I get some things right sometimes. But Murphy comes in a catcher. Lots of years of control. And you're probably shipping out Espino. I know people love him. I know I'm lowering him on the crowd. But it's like Espino is the centerpiece of of that deal. When you look at the A's love, some undersized arms that throw hard. Uh, JT Ginn, right? They just got him. Uh, you know, could they maybe flip a Gavin Williams, another guy who throws hard, potentially? But that's, it, you know, an infielder. If you go and you look at Oakland... I know people will want to jump out, but it's like Oakland's one of their best prospects is Nick um, Allen, who I think will probably be their starting shortstop this year if they can move Elvis Andrusis. And if not, Allen will probably play second base. Like I think Allen gets an opportunity sooner rather than later for them. Uh, I am curious to see who else gets moved, but I mean, it's right there. Like the trading of Sean Murphy makes too much sense. And then honestly, I mean, Matt Chapman would look good for the Guardians. The one problem is, like, what do you do with uh, when you have a really good third baseman and then you get the best defensive third baseman in baseball? Now, Chapman, I believe, no, he's two years of team control. I thought he was only one year. I mean, could you convince Chapman to play second? I, I mean, there's talk of him doing it at points. Could you convince him to play in the outfield? His runs grade a plus. I mean, last year was the worst of his year career at a 101. Uh, he's been really good. Now, 2020, he didn't play a bunch. And 2021, at age 28, was a bit of a decline. Now, it's also hard to get motivated to play when you are playing on an awful team. But Chapman could be a you know an under-the-radar type of target. I don't know if it's necessarily under-the-radar, but he's a guy who could make the Guardians better. We've known they have liked Chad Pinder forever. Uh, Sean Murphy, who I talked about. It's like they're going to make moves. This is a team that is selling off everything that isn't nailed down. See, Pinder, at his peak, uh, below average ones create a plus every year. I don't don't get why they like him uh, as much as they have, but there has been talk about him uh, for a while. Murphy runs create a plus over his three years. Now, the first year is only 20 games, so let's talk about... 2020 and 43 games, 131. Last year, 99. 99. I mean, a league average catcher. Can you imagine a league average offensive catcher who also brings uh, a ton of defensive value <laughs> who is not a free agent until, let's see, he is not even, uh, you would have him for 2022, 2023, 2024, and 2025. Four years of team control. That is the guy you target. Bring the kid back to Ohio. He's an Ohio kid. You bring him back. You can also... Uh, make the life easier on a lot of reporters that way. Zips loves to project him over 100. But again, even if he is just a league average bat for five years, that's incredibly valuable to be league average with his defense. So there's still moves to be made. And there's still moves to be made with Oakland. Again, Chapman, Murphy, uh, Lou Trevino, if you want to go out and add a reliever. He makes a lot of sense. Now, I would much rather trade for someone who's had a few years of positive performance than sign one free agency as such a crudge over that but yeah call let's let's call oakland oakland's not done and starting pitching isn't necessarily a need so it doesn't make any sense to call them on that but call and see and especially because i mean they are shredding shredding shedding players left and right they have a lot of players on the 40 man that could be easily let go as well who are not top performers um you know i, I can just sit here and look at their 40 man situation and be like and honestly how about this 
get get Ramon Lariano. I keep forgetting about him because he's not listed, but you know Ramon Lariano was suspended for. Oh, co-host is back. He wants Ramon Lariano. Jump up. Say hello. Big fan. Uh, suspended 80 games uh, for performance enhancers. He has 27 games left. He was hurt in the offseason, so two dings on him. Uh, elite defensive player in center field. Again, you put him and Straw out there, cover a lot of ground. But let's also talk about production. Runs created plus in his career. Uh, so in 2019, a 127. 2020, a 103. A 111 last year. He does a lot of things well, potential 20 home run power. And when is he a free agent, you might ask? Get him for 2022, 2023, and 2024. Three years of team control. That's a target. Now, <laughs> getting Lariano and Murphy would be like, here's 17 prospects. But, um, yeah, I mean, figure something, figure it out. Figure it out. Lariano makes a ton of sense right now. He's a defender. He has three years of team control. Go get him. Is he as exciting as Winker? No. But could he end up having a higher war? Likely. When you look at defense as part of the game. Uh, yeah. So go get Loriano. Let, you know, you don't have his access for the first 27 games. Perfect. You know what happens in those first 27 games? Let's trot out Quan. Let's trot out Palacios. Give them, a, give them both a chance to play. Whoever's playing well stays. Whoever isn't playing well loses that spot when he's ready to go. Works for me. What do you think? I think... That is my target. If you don't want to pay the high price for Murphy, Loriano will still cost some, but with everything going on with him, his it's it's the perfect time to buy low. We're going to take that last commercial break, come back, and uh, talk some college baseball. I should have gone to Rock Auto. I've talked about it here on the show many times. There's a lot of simple, easy things you can do for your car. I got lazy. I knew I needed windshield wipers. I was going to get my oil changed. And I decided to just buy them there at the site because they'll do it all for you. Sent me back 50 bucks. Uh, I was like, oh, what are you doing? I know. I went to Rock Auto. I looked. I could have got similar wipers for 12, 14. I could have saved myself 30 bucks. When you're looking at like tax and everything else paid, it's like, oh, I should have gone to Rock Auto. And you should too. If you want to save money on your car, if you're a do it yourselfer, you can shop from a... And, and the thing for me is, like, I've known I needed it for a while. I was like, oh, it's annoying to have to do it in the mail. Guess what? If I had done it back in November, I would have saved money and had the parts here already. Don't be like me. Don't be a schmuck. Go use rockauto.com. Get the parts you need for your car and save yourself money. You can see what are the ones they sell the most. You can make sure you're getting a trusted brand from a company that is already trusted. And remember, you go to Rock Auto. You want to, in the little how'd you hear about us box, type locked on. Locked on Guardians. Locked on MLB locked on some form to let them know we sent you. So that is again rockauto.com. Don't be like me. Go save yourself some change. <laughs> it's hard to focus. Long day, a lot going on, and then all this uh, football stuff. I'm just, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. That, that's like the middle of the show. If this feels a bit more like what he's off today. That's it. I did stop and look at the Loriano deal. In spite of all of his stuff, the trade value site still has him at an incredibly high value. Uh, I don't know if he's quite that high it's it's a little bit weird uh so i am going to sit back and uh we'll see what happens i I just feel like they've overvalued him a little bit in there uh so let's talk about the let's actually do the wrap-up let's get into it so who are these players i want to talk about so i went to to look at the home run numbers if you haven't looked recently 
Derek Orndorff, who we talked about last week, hasn't hit anymore. But Brad Malm from Albany, who we've also talked about, is tied with him for 10. Tommy White hasn't hit any since that opening nine. Jake Gedloff, whose brother Zach was drafted by the A's last year, uh, is tied with nine. And then also sitting there, or tied with, has nine, tied for third, is Luke Frizzoni from Xavier. And he's a senior. And it was really interesting to go look at him. Uh, He is a kid who is from New Jersey, a shortstop back in the day. And what stood out for him, you know, he is a senior, a true senior at this point in time. He could play for another year because he's a true senior. Uh, His, you know, he was, 2008 was obviously his draft class. He was 16 years and nine months. So he's a true senior, but he's only 20 years, seven months now. He's younger than a lot of juniors. I bet there's, I mean, there's sophomores <laughs> who are already 21. <laughs> he's younger than some sophomores. I have this incredibly young kid uh, who is stepping up, and I mean, he's hitting a lot of home runs. He's an outfielder now. He's uh, six foot two, 220. But just really unusual to see someone that young. In, you don't see a lot of 16 year olds. You just don't. Like, that's not something you see a lot. Uh, four years at Xavier, how has he done? Well, his first year, he had 11 home runs, and he had a 901 OPS. Last year, he had a 958 OPS with only nine home runs. Uh, he does strike out a decent amount. Let's see, where's his strikeout percentage? Over 30%. And he's still striking out over 30%. But this year, he's walking 18%. And he's got nine home runs this year, which is, like I said, that's all of what he hit last year. And if we go and look at Xavier's early schedule, because this is important. Your schedule, baseball. Because, you know, they're part of the Big East. He will face some level of competition. Xavier gets a few guys drafted every year. But who'd they open up against? Alabama, not the strongest SEC team, but still an SEC team. Week two, Oregon State. That's a good program. Uh, Okay, so then he did get uh, USC Upstate from University of South Carolina. So that was one of those where he definitely feasted. But he also, uh, was it they had Coastal Carolina, who's a solid program. Uh, last weekend and they had uh at south carolina so you know another sec team in there let's see right now no tomorrow they'll have Wright state and then they're going to be at indiana and by the way indiana is the other player we're talking about what a fun coincidence and it is actually a coincidence it was not planned i was just looking at names and performances and these two players stood out but what what he is doing is as an outfielder i mean i don't know don't necessarily know the athletic profile there isn't a whole lot of data you know i have his perfect game fastball velocity uh let's see event reports for him yeah it just has his arm strength you know he's he's put on two inches and about 50 pounds probably of muscle with the way he is hitting but it just again his age is just you don't see that let's see the conference preview big east We'll go into a perfect game has to say about him because I'm sure he's going to be uh, someone who at least gets mentioned in their write up, right? Maybe, maybe no. So he is. And Andrew Walker, his teammate, was more the guy who got the the cred in here. He didn't even get a mention in the perfect game write up on the Big East. So a bit of a surprise, but I think you have to look at the performance. And again, uh, a senior. So you're hoping to get a senior signed price, but at a junior or even a some sophomore age. So he's currently has nine home runs. It's like I said, very interesting. You gotta love these up to an eighteen percent walk rate. The one thing that you worry about is the high strikeout rate. Slash line three twenty eight, four forty four, eight ten. Isolated power forty three, and that's the other thing. Bat pip for his entire college career, which we talked about. That's a great indicator of 
success in terms of contact with the baseball, it's 362. Every his worst bat pip was a 345. Every year he has made strong contact. Contact his strikeout rate has dropped every year and his walk rate has increased. He is officially on my watch list in terms of players. I'm like, there are a lot of positive trends. This is an interesting guy. The Indiana player that I wanted to mention is Matthew Ellis, no relation. Um, He is from Kentucky. I don't have any family in Kentucky that I know of. And Matthew Ellis is a six foot four inch catcher. That is big for a catcher. I was trying to remember how big Grayson Grenier is. I think he might be six foot six. Like he's the guy who, yeah, he's six foot six. He was like the guy who was too big to be a catcher. Like everyone always said it. Like six foot four is starting to push uh, how big you want a catcher. He was originally committed to Tennessee. By the way, you go back to his Kentucky State rankings. He was second as in terms of catchers in the state. 10th overall, 500 ranked in the national recruiting class, 99th a catcher. They gave him a nine grade from perfect grade, perfect grade, perfect game. He's another one. He was 17 years, 10 months in the 20, 2018 draft. So he is a senior age guy, but he is a young senior. He was someone who, you know, he's 21 years, seven months. So he's not quite, I mean, he's young, but he's not Fredzini young, even though they're the same class because the other guy was 16. I'm almost surprised he didn't get talked about more just being a 16-year-old. So the nice thing with Ellis is he did have data. By the way, his arm behind the plate, 94th percentile in terms of that. His pop, not, not that great at 70. Exit velocity was pretty good, 83rd percentile, and he had some other stuff that looked good. What is he doing this year? Well, he went to Tennessee, and he didn't get to play. So let's just start there with that in terms of his overall performance. Uh, Oh, no, I closed out my baseball cube. So this is annoying. Oh, this is is just scintillating, I'm sure, watching me retype because I I accidentally... He he went to Tennessee, redshirted, and didn't play in 2019. Goes to Walter State Community College, which is a solid community college. I feel like we've mentioned on the show multiple times. Just absolutely destroys the ball. You know, the first year there, uh, he gets in 22 games, the COVID season. Next year, he gets to perform 348, 47, 676. uh, Walked 18% of the time, struck out 14% of the time. That's right. He walked at a high rate and struck out at a pretty low rate while hitting 17 home runs and 14 doubles. Goes to Indiana. He's playing catcher. He's a big kid, six foot four, two twenty-seven. What has he done this year in fifty-seven games? Well, he's got seven home runs, which ties him with uh, for eleventh in baseball. Let's see any big name. I mean, it's a big list there. Uh, you know, one step ahead of him. By the way, we got a comment: Jacob Barry and Kevin Parada, who are both guys. Barry in my top five, Parada like eleventh or twelfth on my big board. I mean, they're they're making some hay right now. Is that an expression people actually use anymore? Uh, but to go back to this, we have Ellis, who's tied for 11th, and seven home runs. He is walking 15% of the time, striking out 21. Uh, again, solid numbers, solid performance. And again, the bat pip this year is, of, uh, is is not great, but the isolated power is a 421. So he's been unlucky. So he might actually hit better. He's hit 281, 397, 702. Uh, as we move towards robotic catchers they're coming like the new cba and the ability to change rules oh they're coming you'll see them in the next 10 years someone like matthew ellis who has some hitting potential is going to be more valuable because the robotic catcher is going to essentially eliminate framing it's going to go away it's going to limit the value of that uh so ellis is addressing as another potential senior sign these are two seniors who are performing well but the advantage both of them have is in spite of being seniors is the fact that they were young for their class so they're seniors one of them aged significantly younger and one aged 
Sala the Younger. Like like I said, they're going to be juniors older than both of these players, and there will be sophomores older than Franzini. So I think that has value. Now, what we'll have to see how Ellis continues to perform. Him being in the Big Ten, we have seen Big Ten guys rise. Um, we also have to see, you know, where the performance is going to be in terms of, like, uh, as he continues the the season. You know, you might be saying, well, you talked about who, did, who Xavier had played, who played so far. Well, if the screen ever loads, I, I would tell you. They start off with Clemson, very strong program. Then they had to face number two, Arkansas, by the way, in a Friday night game. They had that, uh, they went to the, the Round Rock Classic where they had number two Arkansas and number six Stanford. So that's that's a rough weekend. Then they had Missouri State, a really solid program, uh, not ranked, but up there. And then they got Troy last weekend, which was a bit easier. And as I said, this is kind of a fun series. It's at Indiana, but I'm going to pay attention. This is an Indiana Xavier series. Both these guys in it have a lot to gain and a lot of potential uh, you know, one being a power hitting catcher and the other being a senior who's uh, putting up big numbers. Again, tied for third in the nation in home runs. He's tied with Tommy White right now, who, you know, isn't that old for being a senior. So check that out. These are two more names to know, two more on your Wednesday wrap up. I've been Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you again for listening to Lockdown Guardians, making it your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. And as we add in every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.